Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Welcome to the basement, guys. Thrilled to have you here today. Was it good for you? Is your team better? Is your team worse? Did you embarrass yourself? Did you just ensure a Super Bowl? It has to be one of the two of those. Uh, I want to take a look at the AFC quarterbacks, and I got them ranked for you according to promise, potential, and if they got a first-round toy to play with. There's something that I absolutely hate. Um, I hate the hate on draft grades. I'll tell you why. Draft grades are an easy target. They seem very simplistic, and they definitely are but it's really fun to look back on them. And I like them today. You're clicking on them. You know you're clicking. And lastly, hilarious, we have to settle something. I think I found the most misused word in the American vocabulary, and I'm gonna establish that exactly how it should be used and how it shouldn't. Very succinctly, it has to do with the draft and it has to do with where the draft was hosted. And we have takes on takes, including a take from Mike Francesa that I cannot wait for. He's only been in the segment once. We'll get to it as takes on takes. It's what I love, it's what I hate, and it's what's hilarious. Start the show. Ah! All right, I love those quarterbacks in the American Football Conference, and I thought I loved them as much as I possibly could because they're so good. And as I talked about last week, there's really only two or three in the whole conference that don't matter or are kind of TBD. It's very, very nestled into their new resting place so let's look at the AFC quarterbacks right now from top tier to who the hell knows I have them ranked for you my friends in seven tiers and I'm also going to uh, let you know and remind you did that quarterback or those quarterbacks in that tier get a brand new shiny first round toy from their general manager to play with because some of them did and some of them did not tier number one Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes' tier, there is no one else in it. There is no one else with him. He has no roommate. He's got no live-in partner, nothing like that. It is Patrick Mahomes all by himself. Didn't get a first-round toy. Got a second-round toy, but that's it. Patrick Mahomes is tier one. Tier two, Joe Burrow. No offensive additions in the first two rounds. They're just going to let it ride with Cincinnati. Also in tier two. Our guy, 17. Representing Western New York and the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, along with Joe Burrow in Tier 2. And Josh Allen got himself a big old tight end in the first round named Dalton. He's got Dalton, he's got Dawson, and you can make all kinds of Roadhouse references about Dalton. I don't know if Josh has seen Roadhouse, but he should now because he has a tight end with the same namesake as Patrick Swayze. I'm not talking about that newfangled Jake Gyllenhaal UFC thing. I'm talking about... Patrick Swayze, he walks around with his medical chart, so when he goes to the local hillbilly ER and meets the impossibly attractive physician who works there, it saves time, as he says. That's tier two, Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. Tier three, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Herbert. That's tier three. Lamar Jackson has a round one wide receiver. It's hard to say. A round one wide receiver named Zay, Z-A-Y. Justin Herbert has a round one wide receiver named Quinton Johnson. So Aaron Rodgers, who did not get any new receivers, at least not on the Jets roster, comprises the Tier 3 with Lamar and Justin Herbert, who both got brand new weapons, and we'll see how that goes. That's Tier 3. Tier 4. This is how good the AFC is. Tier 4. Russell Wilson. He's in the fourth tier. Who knows what's going to go on with him? Is he going to bounce back under Sean Payton? We don't know. Last year was really rough. Yet he has a lot of really good football he's played. It's been a long time. Uh, does he have any company in Tier 4? Absolutely he does. 
How about someone who's in his own unique way just as mysterious going into the season as Russell Wilson is? His only roommate in Tier 4, Russell Wilson, is Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, no offensive additions in the first two rounds at all because the Browns didn't have any picks before the third round. I think the Browns are the lowest profile team in the entire NFL. No draft talk whatsoever because they weren't relevant the first two rounds. There's the weird, shadowy, emotional hangover from everything that went through with Deshaun Watson. The football last year was really strange and bizarre. Stefanski's a good coach, well thought of. They have some really good players, and yet they're almost never on TV, radio, internet, podcast. They're the lowest profile team of the 32, and yet they're very talented, and Deshaun Watson is MVP talent. That's Tier 4, Russell Wilson and Deshaun, and Deshaun Watson. Want to know Tier 5? Sexy as hell. It's Las Vegas, and it's one resident only. Tier 5 is Jimmy Garoppolo. By himself, just living in his bachelor pad, no roommates, no nothing. He's below Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, but he's above the TBD Tier 6 guys we'll get to shortly. Jimmy is just in Planet Jimmy. Planet Jimmy... They didn't go anything. They didn't draft Hendon Hooker. They didn't draft Will Levis. They didn't draft Anthony Richardson. I thought the Raiders might pull the rug out from under Jimmy and say, yeah, you're a short time here, buddy. We're going to draft the future. They didn't. Not early, at least. So Jimmy's all by himself. Jimmy's always going to be Jimmy. Heavily flawed, low ceiling, but very efficient. And he's a winner. Look at the quarterback wins. You can't knock him on that. Tier 5, Jimmy Garoppolo. Tier 6, young fellas. Kenny Pickett, who got a first-round offensive tackle. Mac Jones. Tua Tagovailoa and Trevor Lawrence, who also got a first-round offensive lineman. Kenny Pickett, Mac Jones, Tua Tagovailoa, and Trevor Lawrence. All guys potential, some more than others. Trevor Lawrence won a playoff game. Uh, Kenny Pickett did not get to a playoff game. Mac Jones has been in one. Tua Tagovailoa's team was in one, but he didn't get to play. That's the guy. It's the young guys. Young. Not all of them are going to make it, but a couple of them are. I think if you were to take the pick of all those, I think Lawrence is the obvious pick. But I love Kenny Pickett. I really do, and there's not a lot of people who sing for him. I do. The last tier, tier seven, uh, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and uh, Anthony Richardson. That's it. The rookies. We don't know. A bunch of those guys are going to fail. Maybe all of them. Maybe two of them. I don't think three for three of those guys are going to be perennial all pros, but that's tier seven, guys. Take a pick. I think the tier five in the AFC feels like it's on par with tier one in the NFC. It's really, really close. Tier seven, guys, all the way from Patrick Mahomes to Anthony Richardson, the Indianapolis Colts. Who the hell knows? We're going to see these guys battle all year. I love it. You throw a dart, as we sometimes do here in the basement, and you probably get an excellent quarterback. Worst case scenario, a project, the guy who's developing, but most likely an excellent quarterback and maybe even an all-time great. It is that good. It is that loaded. The draft did nothing to extinguish the excitement about the AFC. In fact, we sprinkled in some really good wide receivers, some linemen. It's going to be a shootout across the board. I love what the draft did for the AFC. We thought the quarterbacks were good. They're better. They're younger. They're faster. They're bigger. Absolutely love it. But let's get to what I hate. I hate the hate on draft grades. That's my double, double negative way of saying, I dig draft grades. I think they crack me up. Of course they're ridiculous. Of course they're fast food. Of course they're low hanging fruit. Of course they're terrible, but I love them. There's certain things that we just have and what we do that you can't resist because I would defy this. I defy you this. If you say draft grades, oh, so lame. What a layup. So easy. They're not even true. How do you know who's gonna be good? You have no way of knowing. How can you possibly give them a grade? You can say all that. You can say all of that, but don't click. You better not click. I bet you click on those draft grades. I bet you do. <laughs> we all do. It's right there. It's candy. It's easy 
and to access the sugar of draft grades. You tune in Monday morning, fire up the old internet at work, boom, right there, draft grades, winners and losers of the draft. Don't mind if I do, I'm just gonna scroll, scroll, and then I'm gonna stop on my team, and then I'm gonna read it, and I'm gonna be so excited if we got an A minus, and so mad or so depressed if we got a C minus. I just love them. I, uh, I used to talk to Pete Prisco, who does draft grades and power rankings and all that stuff uh, for CBS for a long time. And Pete used to say off the air, he'd be like, I get so much crap about the draft grades. Everybody gives me so much crap. Why do you do those? Why do you do those? He's like, if you could see the number of clicks I get on my draft grade columns, it's astronomical. They're the highest rated thing that I do. And I do really quality work. And he's really funny, so it cracks me up. But he's just like, listen, it, draft grades are the, the Kardashians of NFL content. If you don't like it, don't click. Look away. Don't follow. Don't watch the show. But you do. And you say you don't, but I bet you do because millions of people do. And if they didn't, there would be no more draft grade columns every single year. They're there. You watch them. You like them. I know you do. Don't say you don't. Don't say you don't like trash TV, The Bachelor, all that stuff. You watch. Just like you like draft grades. And here's the other thing. It's really fun to see how terribly they age. It's ridiculous that anybody, the morning after the draft, could sit here and hand out rewards or admonishments for the draft picks, having no idea who's gonna be good or bad. It doesn't make any sense. You don't know that tackle that we took in the first round is gonna be anything or a, a Hall of Famer, but you're sitting here handing out a B minus because, eh, they didn't fill a position of need, whatever that is. So listen, let's just, for the sake of defending draft grades, I'm trying to find even a perverse pleasure in them, even for you people who hate them, and I've seen you. I love them. The perverse pleasure is this. Look at the 2012 Seahawks draft. That sounds like, what the hell is that? Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, Bruce Irvin. It's an excellent draft for the Seahawks. Mel Kuyper Jr., C-minus draft. Sports Illustrated, Chris Burke, C. Bleacher Reports, Donald Wood, F. Yeah, you really laid the wood there, Donald. Quote, Pete Carroll is proving why he didn't make it in the NFL the first time. <laughs> yes, this is great. Okay, that's, that's from years ago, though. 2017, the Chiefs trade up in the first round to draft Patrick Mahomes from Texas Tech. Steven Ruiz, USA Today, C-. Quote, calling Mahomes a project is a major understatement. <laughs> He's nowhere near ready to play in the NFL. And honestly, he may never be. Awesome, just awesome. I love it. And Steve Ruiz, I totally respect you. A lot of people thought that at the time. It's not the point. Moving on, 2018 draft. The Jets at number three. Out of the University of Southern California, they take Sam Darnold. Pro football focused, they're in the know. They grade the draft elite. The Jets should be ecstatic that Darnold was still on the board at number three. Our number two player on the PFF draft board, Darnold has shown exceptional high-end play. But that nah, didn't work out. Didn't work out there, didn't work out in Carolina, just didn't work out. 2019, look, speaking of the devil, Pete Prisco, CBS. Daniel Jones to the Giants at number six, D. He says, I wanted to give this pick an F. I like Daniel Jones, I just don't like him in this spot. It seemed reason. I didn't like Daniel Jones there at all. I'm not making fun of you, Pete, I'm agreeing with you. Just, he just got extended and he looked really good in a playoff game. Let's do one more. 2020. 
uh, from The Athletic. Jalen Hurts to the Eagles in the second round. Grade D. <laughs> the the write-up. My brain hurts. Hurts is a developmental prospect. He does not project to be an above-average backup. He, for a while there, for like a week, was the highest-paid player in NFL history. He scored four touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Would have won the MVP if he didn't get hurt. See, that's why you love draft grades. Ds and Fs and elites. It's so fun. It's so fun. Right now, you can click on a draft grade column that says such and such team set their franchise back five years with this draft. All those players we're talking about will be Hall of Famers. It's awesome. Click on them. It's fine to do the drive-through and get the French fries every once in a while. It's fine to watch Love is Blind. It's fine to listen to Train. It's all beautiful, disposable sugar. Do all those things while you're reading draft grades. They're fun. There's nothing to feel. It's not a guilty pleasure. It's just a pleasure. I love you, draft grade writers. Mwah! A plus to all of you. But we have to settle something. Let's get to what's hilarious. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so this is a little bit personal to me. I want to talk to you guys about something because coming off the draft and coming off the draft in Kansas City, I saw this term and this whole kind of conversation and topic come up several times throughout the draft. And there's something that is really misunderstood, a term, a word, really a in, in whole industry that is misunderstood in the way that most people talk and most people use the term. And that term is barbecue. I think you think you know what that word means and how to use it, and I think you might be wrong. I'm not coming from a place of snobbery. I used to be like this, and then I learned. Andy Staples, venerable writer for SI, uh, taught me all about this and set me straight, and I've just taken upon myself here and there to pass on this lesson because I think people should know. All right, the term, the word barbecue. Barbecue is a species of food. It is a cuisine. Barbecue is a cuisine much like Chinese food is or Italian food. It is a type of food and is a cuisine that is meat that is cooked at a very low temperature for a very long time. That's what it is. Okay. There's many times that word is used for things that it is not intended for and that we as Americans have come to misunderstand. Um, barbecue is a cuisine of meat cooked low temperature for a long time. What it is not is a machine used to cook food. That, that's, that's not a barbecue. There is not a barbecue that you have in your backyard 
like a this. See this picture right here? Guys, that's a grill. That is a gas-powered Weber grill. Okay? That's not a barbecue. There is also one that is circular and you put the charcoal in it and you take the top off and you feel like Captain America. That's a grill. A grill. It's a great American thing. That is not a barbecue. You cannot have a barbecue with a cover over it in your back patio. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. Another thing. Coming up now that it's springtime and into summer, maybe around Memorial Day, if you find yourself in someone's backyard and you've got a paper plate with uh, corn on the cob and a hot dog and a hamburger and you got a solo cup in your hand, kind of like these people, guys, you are at a cookout. That's, that's where you are. You are not at a barbecue because you can't be at a barbecue any more than you can be at a Thai food or at a Indian food. These people right here with big smiles and everything, they're at a cookout. You got your paper plate, your solo cup, someone's got a Bluetooth speaker with Bob Marley playing, you're kind of visiting and socializing and your wife brought you there. You don't really want to be there, but as long as you're there, you might, might as well eat. It's a cookout. You can't host a barbecue. You can't have a barbecue. You can eat barbecue. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? I want to make sure this is clear. So what I'm saying is, you can go out for barbecue. What do you want to have for dinner? It's like, oh, let's go out for barbecue. You go to Smokey Joe's, the local place, and they got the great burnt ends and all that, and the sauce and the, the beans. That's, you can go out for barbecue. You can't go out to a barbecue. It doesn't exist. It is a cuisine. Got it? Does everybody got it? So don't tell me that you are barbecuing because you put some hot dogs on the grill and you got real fancy and toasted the buns. You're not barbecuing, you're grilling. That's great. And is it a distinctly American cuisine that we made up, we perfected, and now we fight over regionally? I'm not here to tell you Kansas City, Carolina, Texas, Tennessee, that's all for you. What I'm here to tell you about, barbecue is a type of food. It ain't a grill, it ain't a party. Got it? Now let's enjoy some. Thank you. Let's get the takes on takes. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, takes on takes, just like it sounds, I give my take on other people's takes and I judge them in three categories of delivery, creativity, and heat. And then I give them a number and they face off whoever has the higher number wins. First up, I'm a reminder, as always, I've never seen any of these, I haven't previewed them. I will see them for the first time with you. Marcus Spears, Swagoo, they call him. Shockingly, he's only been on takes on takes twice, but he's not one, he's 0 for 2, averages a 6.5 out of 10. And here he is on the NFL Live program, reacting to the Philadelphia Eagles draft. Go ahead. <laughs> he thinks Swagoo can relate. Marcus. You okay, bud? 
I'm sorry, Swag. We had to do it to you. How scared are you of this Eagles defense? Don't jump. Are you still working? <laughs> hey, don't jump. I ain't scared of them because I ain't got to block them. I'm not even addressing the damn camera. I'm pissed off again. <laughs> Last night, I got fined. I saw y'all this morning. I was in a great mood. And, and, and the question on our rundown is how scared of you. I'm terrified, okay? <laughs> But I'm not going to look in the camera while I say it. You, can't let, a, that they, you can't let a man see your eyes when you're yeah, man. Good thing the back of you looks pretty good. Yeah, man. Yeah, the that fact man that they, iron. Bro, nobody in this draft <laughs> came and thought that the Philadelphia Eagles was going to walk out of here last night with Jalen Carter, bro. Like, gonna... we never had a conversation about that. Mina Kimes, Ryan Clark, Dan Orlovsky, and Laura Boogie Rutledge failed me because none of them <laughs> knew that Jalen Carter was a potential pick oh, for the damn God. Philadelphia Eagles. And now I got to deal with this all season. <laughs> it's really good. I like that take because I had that take. You know, last week I was talking about how dare you, NFL, why did you let this happen? Never mind me. That was really well executed. What I like about it is so he's there at the draft location and they're on this stage and there's just hundreds and hundreds of feet behind him and all these seats. He's exploring the space. I hate it when shows go on location and they perform the exact same show they would do in the studio. Get up, move around, use the space, even if it's to turn your back to camera because you don't want the camera to see the fear in your eyes because of the thought of having to block the Philadelphia Eagles. It was really good. I like it. It was simple. He got up. Everybody the next day was saying, oh my God, the Eagles got such good players. He managed to do it in a very original way, which I always respect. Original thinking. It would have been easy for him to just sit there and sit at the desk and be like, yeah, man, they're really good. Man, they're great. Like, he got up. He performed. He made some damn television, and I really respect it. So because I respect it, I am going to give Marcus Spears an eight. An eight will usually get the job done in takes on takes, unless there's some real firepower coming through. So that's the good news. The bad news is I'm told there's a Hall of Famer, a radio Hall of Famer coming in. And for only the second time in Takes on Takes, we have Mike Francesca. Mike Francesca. He has one appearance, one win, and got a nine in his only appearance. So if he only can repeat that, he will beat Marcus Spears. On the Mike Francesca podcast, the Pope has a take. Oh, man, I've not seen this. I don't know what it's going to be. He has a take on NFL broadcasting, can he beat an eight? The NFL Sunday ticket and what they have put in your house, I've, you've heard me say many times if you go back on the family, it was the greatest invention since fire or the wheel. <laughs> Having that in your house. And then people got all caught up on the Red Zone channel, okay, which that's a fantasy deal. I am not a, I don't mind the Red Zone channel. And I told you before, I would have loved to host the Red Zone channel uh, because I would do a great job at handling that in the fourth quarter or in the witching hour. I mean, I'm sure they don't even know what the witching hour is, but the witching hour from 3 o'clock until the final, final moments of the 1 o'clock games, that's the witching hour. What? Well, I've, I've always told people through the years, at 3 o'clock, Take a pad and write down the scores of all the games. And then write down the final scores and see how much things change from 3 to 4.15. That's why many years ago I called that the witching hour. All right. <laughs> so hold on. I, I just, I kind of got that at the buzzer that Mike Francisa claims responsibility for inventing the term the witching hour or at least relating it to football. That's great. The fact that he passive aggressively put in the fact that he wanted to host the red zone. 
is great. The idea in practice of Mike Francesa actually hosting the Red Zone in lieu of Scott Hansen is beyond great. But the greatest part of all of this was this could have won takes on takes with a five second soundbite that was stopped after the first sentence he uttered. First sentence. If I said, all right, Mike Francesa, can you beat an eight? Go ahead. The NFL Sunday ticket is the greatest invention since fire. Cut. It wins. That's it. The implication there is the Sunday ticket is a better invention than the wheel, which is strong. <laughs> strong. We say put some heat on the take here. He actually is bringing it back to the original source of heat. I guess the sun would be, but the second man-made source of heat. That was an unbelievably concise, lean, brutal assault of Marcus Spears in which Francesa ran out of the dressing room, jumped off the top rope with his fire take, and then just poured on for, for fun. It was already over. That's a nine. Mike Francesa wins. Best invention since fire. I should host it. And I also made up the term the witching hour years ago. That's why, and you, that's why he's a Hall of Famer. And the still picture with the giant beautiful teeth, it only helped. A 9 to 8 classic. An ESPN instant classic of Francesa over Spears. This is why you show up for Takes on Takes. Mike Francesa is now 2-0 and with 9s in both appearances. And I hope he's not back soon. Mike, we'll see you in a few months. Until then, undefeated, highest average ever, 9. That was great. I feel like goosebumps from that. I'm fired up about that. Wow, that was really good. All right, end the show. Skycam, please. Skycam. Guys, can you believe what Francesca just did? Swagoo put up an eight. As I said, that will win 80 to 90% of takes on takes that we've done. Nine firepower, not a 10, but he made me laugh, he made me think, he made me think of history. It's just, it was perfect Francesca. Today's random number is, oh, I almost hit the bullseye. 14, topic number 14. I haven't seen this, just like the takes on takes takes. And I will respond off the top of my giant seven and three quarter inch dome. 17, or no, 14, I said. Um, tell us about your first cell phone, if you want to. I bought it on Nassau Street in Princeton when I was going into my senior. I bought it on Nassau Street in Princeton when I was going into my senior year in college. It was 2000. It was a silver Samsung flip. And, um, you, it had the retractable antenna. You just pull up the thing a little bit, it was a little skinny antenna, flip it open, and I loved it. It was absolutely amazing. It was, you know, that green and gray screen. It had the snake game on it. I played that. It had a few decent ringtones, and it had downloadable ringtones where you could get some uh, MIDI form of, I don't know, All-Star by Smash Mouth or something like that. And I loved it. You always remember your first, and I will share this with you, I'm sure a lot of us feel this way. There was never a more satisfying way to end a phone call than by flipping that phone short, shut. Whether you were doing it on a happy note, whether you just told someone off and go, it's just done. It's not the same as pressing the red dot. Just never will be until we go back to flip. So bought it on Nassau Street in Princeton, New Jersey in 2000. Used it, used it until I moved to LA and uh, I mean, that was the phone I had on the real world, even though we weren't allowed phones. Uh, and then when I moved to LA, I think in 2002, I think I finally got a, a Nokia maybe. I'm not even sure what it was, but the silver Samsung, I'll always ride with that one. 
always wrap with you guys too as i write here on the peloton thank you for joining us right here in the basement um like share subscribe tweet post ig TikTok, review tell your parents tell your friends tell your kids tell your dad uh and i'll tell you this we'll be back tomorrow until then exit through the garage close the door on your way out bye guys